OWC Radio number seven. WC Radio number seven. I am Tim Robertson, the host of the show, and I thank you very much for downloading this episode. I would love to hear feedback from you and whatever you think about the show. You can follow us on the Twitter and send feedback that way. It's uh, OWC Radio on Twitter. You can send email podcast at maxsales.com or leave us a voice message, 1-801-938-5559. So thanks for downloading the show. This episode, we've got an interview with Dave Hamilton. Yep, Matt Geek Gab. I love that show. It's a great podcast. Uh, you know what I like about the Matt Geek Gab? Other than John and Dave, the host, I really like it because it's one of the rare podcasts that when I listen to it, I actually learn something new almost every single episode. And, of course, uh, Dave is also with The Mac Observer. So I hope you enjoy the interview. I'm going to play that here in just a second. And when we come back from that, I've got some news. No, I I don't have any secret. I know what's coming out from Apple next week. Uh, But we do have some some cool news I think you guys would be interested in. But first, before we get to that, I do want to get to some feedback right here at the top of the show. Uh, Klaus Wolf in Germany requests that we shorten the show or space out the interviews. I think we're going to do uh, both, Klaus. We're going to make each episode hopefully under one hour. And uh, I'm going to put a little bit more buffer between the different interviews. So not this week, obviously, or not this episode, I should say. Uh, we've got Dave Hamilton on today. and uh, But that's the, I think that's going to be the only interview until after the Apple event next week. Eric with a C writes, you remember when I was talking a couple episodes ago about my $210 worth of iPhone apps that I bought, which, by the way, it's more than that now. It actually went up by $10 just yesterday. And I'll talk about that later in the show. But uh, Eric writes, uh, he's digging the podcast. Thank you, Eric. I just wanted to say that if you were using something like tellsteve.com to book your bookmark your iPhone iPod Touch applications, you wouldn't feel the need to purchase every cool app game right away. Also, with the automated price drop alerts, you wouldn't even you would even have to save a buck or two, or I could even save a buck or two, which is always nice. I uh, just thought that might be helpful in 2010. I totally agree. I, so I went up there and I checked out this tellsteve.com website, and uh, it says Steve remembers iPhone apps, so you don't have to. Still says it's in public beta, but what is it nowadays, right? It says hello, I'm Steve. I'm really good at remembering what iPhone apps you are interested in. The next time you are looking for an app game in the app, uh, the iTunes Music Store app store, I hate how he puts that in there, just call it the iTunes store, and you aren't ready to buy it, use the Telefriend link and send it to me, apps at tellsteve.com, and I will remember it for you. I'll even give you a custom RSS feed for all your app bookmarks so you can set it up in your reader and not need to come back here. This is a fabulous idea. So the basic gist is, say I'm I'm browsing through the app store and I see something and I'm like, wow, that's that's pretty cool. I don't really want to buy it right now, but I might want to later. There's always that tell a friend link right there in iTunes. And if I use that for apps at tellsteve.com, he'll remember it for me. And with a custom RSS feed, I really like that, especially with the uh, automate, automated price drop feature. So if it goes down in price, even better. Most apps up there aren't very much, but, hey, every little bit helps, like Eric is saying. Now, that was Eric with a C. I also have a uh, – I'm sorry, that was Eric with a K. This is Eric with a C from Hawaii. He writes, happy birthday to you. Thank you, Eric. Uh, hope your next 40 years is better than the last. It's going to be hard to do. I, a lot of good stuff in the last 40 years. He said, just listen to episode 6, and I have an iPod Touch second generation with iPhone OS 
I had no problems with paying for the upgrade because I treat it like a mini Macintosh anyways. It does have voice memo, but I did not use it until recently because I did not have earphones with a microphone. The regular earphones that ship with the iPod Touch do not have a microphone on them. But, I got a, but he said he got a pair, uh, and the earbuds sound decent, but the microphone is actually pretty good. I will also make a comment using voice memo in the future. Aloha from Hawaii, Eric. You know, I don't know why Apple doesn't just give iPod Touch users the same headphones that iPhone users have because it has the built-in mic. And I'm pretty sure that there's a lot of iPod Touch users out there who are very interested in picking up a pair of headphones that have the mic built in. So, uh, Eric from Hawaii, if you could send us a voice memo so we can kind of hear what that sounds like. I'm sure there would be a lot of iPod Touch users who would be very much appreciative. So let's go ahead and jump into the interview with Dave Hamilton. And after the interview, I got a few new stories, and then we'll wrap up the show. And I'm joined now by Dave Hamilton. Hello, Dave. Greetings, Tim. Thanks for having me on, man. Hey, thanks for being on OWC Radio. I really appreciate it. I've had you on the uh, the old show that I used to do, the MyMac Podcast, but yep. this is a new show, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to reach out to uh, a lot of the people that I've interviewed and chatted with over the years on the MyMac show and bring them over here and, and start a new tradition. So here you are. Sounds great. Yeah, no, I'm happy to be here. So let's, uh, for those who don't know who you are, and I, I'm I'm hesitant to say everybody will, but it would it would seem to me that everybody knows who Dave Hamilton is. But uh, let's go through your bio a little bit. Number one, let's let's stick with podcasting. You actually have your own podcast, and you've been doing it for a long time. Almost five years. Almost yeah. five years. Uh, does it feel like it's been that long? No, it doesn't. It's a, it's a blast. Yeah, yeah. We uh, it's the Mac Geek Gab podcast, uh, and we do it every week. I do it with John Braun. He and I take basically uh, the format of the show is we take uh, listeners' questions about the Mac and and technology in general, but obviously focused on and around the Mac. And uh, and we try to try to answer them in, as best we can, and then we'll also talk about our kind of our opinions. And although we sh- we we save our opinions for the geeky stuff, uh, there's plenty of people out there that are doing great news and and opinion and reporting shows, and and we're happy to have our own little niche where we'll answer the questions and then also maybe share our our own geeky experiences, things that that we found that either worked for us or. <laughs> Or perhaps didn't. So it, it's a it's a lot of fun. You know, doing the the technical kind of question and answer show. Do you ever worry about man? We're just gonna we're not gonna have enough material for the next show. <laughs> no, not anymore. <laughs> uh, we you know it was interesting when we started the Geek Gab. We did not intend for it to be a Q and A show. Uh, we we just thought we'd get together and just talk geeky. You know, John I remember I the have... beginning of the show. It wasn't a, a, a answer my question show. No, John and I were, uh, we've been friends for probably 25 years now, and we always would have conversations where we would just talk about cool stuff that we were doing with technology. And so I thought, well, let's put this into a podcast. I had become a big fan of podcasts and really thought it was something we needed to do at TMO. So, okay, you know, something I enjoy, smart business decision, let's let's do this experiment. And then it was probably the second or third show where I said to John, let's, let's dig into the mailbag. Now, at that point, the mailbag was pretty small at, at the Geek Gab, but... Previously, years previously, I'd had a column at Mac Observer called Ask Dave. And people still, to this day, send in questions to the email address for that. So I had some in the queue, and I, you know, I queued them up, John and I talked them through, and we answered them. And then, bam, you know, we were flooded the next week. More questions. Like, <laughs> ah, now we don't have to worry about coming up with material anymore, you know. And, and for a while, we basically answered every question that we got. Uh, now we get so much that uh, I have to. We actually try to answer everything via email, though I, I hesitate to say that publicly. Um, but you know, for the show, you feel like there's either, an obligation there. Well, no, I just didn't. Well, if there is or isn't, that's fine. I actually enjoy it. You know, it, it's good for me to keep my technical chops up, right? I mean, from that standpoint, and oh, I like sure. to help people. You know, I, I really do. Uh, and John feels the same way. So now, what we do for the stuff that we incorporate into the show, it's 
you know, we filter out the stuff that's very, very particular that might only help one of the, you know, tens of thousands of listeners that we have. And and then also, you know, we'll find there, there'll be themes sometimes. It's weird. You know, we'll get a bunch of questions about one thing. It's like, why are they asking about this this week? But, you know, okay, fine. You know, we build a little theme and, and we run with it. And, uh, and it works out real well. So we have a blast with it. We just launched uh, – we had a bunch of people asking for more shows. And so we just launched what we're calling our premium version. I'm not sure that premium is the right word because it's really just more shows. For two more shows a month, uh, you can you can sign up and, and buy a six-month subscription for 25 bucks, and it, it gets you two more shows a month that John and I do. But uh, but, but all the content's the same quality, and, and we hope that that's 100%. But, uh, you that's know, awesome. we, do our, we do our darndest. Yeah. So how much pre- preparation do you put into – I mean, because, you know, I listen to the show myself – and I okay. say, good Lord, they must have to research a lot of stuff before they sit down in front of the mic and start. Do you guys hand off to each other, okay, I'm going to answer this one, you're going to answer that one? How much time do you guys put into researching some of the answers that you have to come up with? Uh, you know, it, it it it's imbalanced, right? There, there, there are some questions I'll spend 15, 20 minutes researching an answer, and some I'll know the answer, and it's just like, all right, let's put it in the show. Uh, it. It's that process of going through all of the emails and answering them that actually is our show prep, right? And and sometimes I'll I'll you know finish composing an email to someone and think, all right, that's it, perfect. You know, this is great for the show, and I'll you know print it to a PDF and and then it becomes part of the show notes, and then of course I send off the email. Um, but but you know I would say I probably do two hours of prep a week, and John does another two on his own. Uh, we both try to go through everything because we both want to have our own take on it and, and both want to have some knowledge about what we're talking about. But there are some times where, uh, you know, if we've got stuff going on in our lives, either business or personal, that keep us aside. You know, recently I had some, some things going on in my family that kept me from having a whole lot of extra time. So John was doing the prep and I was basically doing the show blind. And, uh, and, and you know, to be honest, that's fun, too, because it kind of forces me to think on my feet, which, uh, which I enjoy. And plus you have the experience to be able to do that. Not everyone could do a show blind. No, that's true. And, and really, I probably shouldn't be doing them blind either. But, yeah, you're right. I've got enough experience to where I know – really, it's that I know when to keep my mouth shut or at least, <laughs> at, at least I, I'm learning that. <laughs> so if we went back in time and yep. we met Dave from high school, say 11th grade, what would yeah, Dave okay. 11th grade – say he was going to become now oh yeah so 11th grade dave uh was looking to become a computer engineer really uh, and really well no uh, yeah i guess about that time because i was looking at colleges and trying to figure out what to do you know 10th grade dave uh said he always wanted to be a computer consultant right that that's <laughs> that was my that was my gig and it was like well i gotta go to college for something so okay computer engineer and i did a couple of years of engineering school and i wound up doing a couple of years of music school uh never actually got a college degree but uh you know it started businesses and and then did the consulting thing for a really long time yeah but you were very successful success yeah yeah, yeah. Do, you, do you want to talk yeah. about that sure yeah so i i did the consulting thing on my own for a little while had some had some big clients and uh, in the kind of the New York area, Connecticut area, which is where I grew up and then moved down to Texas, sort of gave that all up, moved down to Texas and started anew and met a guy named Lee Robin who started who had, you know, a couple of years before started a company called Computer Nerds with a Z. And it's at nerds.com with a Z. Uh, and the company still exists. And I, I got involved with that. We built up the store in Austin to be pretty big. It was, it was you know, sort of pre-Geek Squad stuff is, is really the easiest way to describe it. We had, you know, I think at the peak of it, we probably had eh, about 30 nerds uh, going out in Austin, helping people either at their homes or, you know, small offices and, uh, you know, doing exactly the kinds of things you would expect we'd be doing, setting sure. up new computers, you know, fixing problems. Still a viable business today. Absolutely. It, it is. Yeah, absolutely. And we had a blast with it. Uh, Lee and I, through that, learned that we were better friends than business partners. <laughs> uh, you know, of course, in retrospect, when he and I talk about it, we're like, gosh, you know, maybe we should have stayed business partners, you know, but whatever. You know, it's it's it's, it's, it's always easier to look back that way, right? Absolutely. But, uh, so I, I sold off uh, most of my interest in that, and, and it was right about that time that I had met uh, Brian Chaffin, uh, with whom I co-founded MacObserver.com. And, uh, and you know, it took off from there. Mac Observer started doing pretty well. We formed Backbeat Media uh, as an ad sales entity, not just for Mac Observer, but for other sites, because we had other sites coming to us and uh, that wanted our help. And so that's why we spun that off. And then the rest, as they say, is history. So you've kind of forged your own trail, as it were. 
Yeah, yeah. I forged the trail and and also taken the trail that that sort of you know lays out before before me as uh, as often happens. So so yeah. were you were in the computer, you were the nurse before or after you met your wife? Uh, no. So I met my wife uh, when I was up here up up in Connecticut. I'm in New Hampshire now. But it was uh, she and I decided to move to Austin together, which was sort of a flyer. We'd never lived together before. Uh, we had no no jobs. We had one friend down there, and uh, so we rented a house and and you know started anew, if you will. Not not that there was anything to really start from, but you know, uh, but it worked, and we got married while we were down there and started having children, and uh, and now we're back up in New England. We're in New Hampshire these days. As I said, is this where you're gonna stay? Oh, you look, man. We've relocated, <laughs> uh, you know, significant relocations every five years, and we've done it what four times now. So I, I'm not going to make any predictions. I would like part of me would very much like to stay here. We've got kids that are school age now, and uh, you know, it's hard to move when you get the kids. It, it is. We really like, uh, you know, where we are. Uh, although this winter, you know, we. I'm a New England guy, right? And as is my wife. She grew up in Northern Mass. You know, I grew up in Connecticut. We're no strangers to snow. I, I embrace it. In fact, we've had two days of snow here the last couple of days, and it's been great. But it's that two-degree weather. You know, when it's oh, snowing yes. around here, it's like 30. And that's fine. I can totally deal with that. It's the two-degree weather that makes me ask the question, now, wait a minute. Why is it that I live in the U.S. and <laughs> visit the Caribbean, right? You yes. know, why why don't I switch this around? Because I could. My, you know, my at least in terms of my my work, it doesn't matter where I live. So, right. Uh, yeah. So anyway, I make no predictions about where we will live in the future. <laughs> so next week, obviously, the big news is going to be Apple's going to release a new product. It's going to be uh, a supersized iPhone. I don't know. I'm guessing. And everyone seems to be talking about it. So I, th you know, it, this wouldn't be a Mac podcast if I didn't get your predictions on what comes out basically a week from today. So yeah. have at it. What do you think it's going to be? It's very interesting. Uh, y you know, I think so. Here, here's the here's the lead-in, right? Apple is not, you know, they're not up against the ropes right now. They no. aren't. They don't. <laughs> right, but not by a long shot. No. But but they're not in a, a situation where they are forced to come out with some company-saving product, right? You know, they could introduce nothing. Not next week, but they could introduce nothing new for a year. And they'd still do fine. Their stock would do fine. Their employees would remain gainfully employed, and they would all have a whole lot of fun or whatever it is they have over there. So, you know, this tablet thing, we've all seen different types of tablets. And, you know, I mean, and, I, and I'll include the Kindle in this kind of group because it is its own sort of, you know, tablet kind of thing. Yeah. Limited, limited focused functionality, but very successful, right? You well, know, we in, think. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we don't. Amazon says it's, you know, and then again, Barnes yeah. & Noble is saying that, their nook is completely sold out, and it's fabulous, and it's yeah. Well, when you make ten of them, it's easy yeah, to do yeah, that, exactly. Right? No, so you know, so Apple's not in a position where their their hand is being forced, and they've just got to spit out whatever it is that R and D has that's the it, you know at the the best shape, but maybe not quite ready for prime time. That's not going to happen. So you know, Apple's clearly announcing something next week. It's probably a new product, you know, based on. Certainly, what their you know cryptic invite said, but also let's face it, there's been enough chatter about this tablet, both from uh, you know potential third-party partners and uh, you know the 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 factories and the images that have leaked and you know this that and the other. There's, there's enough to say, yeah, that's what it's going to be. But again, what's it going to be? Yeah, because if we go back to 2006 or early 2007. We all knew that Apple was going to come out with some kind of a cell phone. We just figured right. it's going to be an iPod with some phone functionality built in. That was kind of the rumor. That's and right. uh, we, we, you know, we had no idea. The iPhone was absolutely nothing that we were expecting, but it was exactly right. what we wanted without knowing that we wanted it. So do you assume that Apple's kind of following the same path, that they're going to give us exactly what we want, even though we don't know that we want it yet? You know... The iPhone, the iPhone was that for the most part. Maybe we'll take the word exactly out, but you know, it's what we wanted without knowing what we wanted. Yeah. Uh, the the tablet, I don't think it's going to be the home run, the instant home run that the iPhone was. I mean, that I don't think Apple predicted that, right? They knew it was going to be a success at some level, but I think even they were blown away. You know, so no, I, I I'll be on the safe side and say. 
the chances of them doing that again are, you know, not in the majority. However, I think it will be something where the functionality is much different from from that which which we all would say, oh, if I had a tablet, I'd want it to do this. I think it's going to be a, a, a different path because there's no tablets out there that people just totally go gaga over. Again, the Kindle works well for a subset of the people. How many of those? Well, you know, that, that like you said, that number's sort of up in the air. But, uh, you know, people that have Kindles, and I, I'm one of them, love them. I love my Kindle. I, you know, you, you'd have to pry it from my cold <laughs> fingers, right? But it's not for everyone. My guess is with this Apple tablet, it's not for everyone. The iPhone, of all products that Apple has ever released, you know, it, it's in that group of everyone, you know. Yeah, the iPod As long would as you want a cell too. phone. And the iPod, yeah, that's right. And the iPod would be there, too. And really, you know, the iPod, Touch, and iPhone are, are one platform as far as I'm concerned, right? I mean, it, you know, one has a phone functionality in it, one doesn't. But you're getting the same thing either way, you know. Exactly. So. I agree with you. Yeah, the iPod yeah. and the the iPod kind of just became the iPhone. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if Apple had a choice, they wouldn't even sell any more iPods. It would just be all iPhone. Or well, I don't even think they. I don't think they even like selling the Touch. I think they just want you know one standard thing, and that's yeah. what it is. Yeah, but, that's bad. Possible. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but you know the problem with the phone is you're you're locked into a contract, yes. and that that you know, that that's either. Uh, a put off to some people or simply not feasible for some people. So the touch fills that void very, very nicely and still gets their platform out there. So there was a, not, go ahead. That, but I don't think the, 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 the tablet or whatever you're going to call it, uh, is I've been be calling that, it the iBook. Yeah. You know, that's, that's interesting. A lot of people have said Apple's going to re, you know, regurgitate that product name and, and it's it, a great it, name. It is. But it is. isn't it time to get rid of the whole i moniker, really? Well, and you know, they've got this book thing for their MacBook Pro, so I I think in Apple lingo, book still means laptop, and I think they're going to stay away from that, um, at least for now. But, you know, what do I know? Yeah, I mean, exactly. I, I don't know anything. Yeah, if know. we knew more than we did, we'd be rich right now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or, or maybe we'd be dead. Or dead. Know. Yeah, they'd shut us up a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, when you look at... The computer industry out there, aren't you glad that Apple is kind of in charge of that industry when you look at all the trends? Because they're the only company, at least from what I can see, that actually puts uh, the actual design into their products. You don't see that from any other computer company. Um, Do you think Apple is going to keep doing that? Do you think that's a a product of Steve Jobs or do you think it's a a corporate culture within Apple that design matters? Sorry. I, I think it's a product of Steve Jobs that now has become corporate culture. I, I think Apple – I mean it's – it takes an idiot not to realize that that has worked out well for them, yeah. right? You, you know, So I think when when Steve leaves this time as opposed to last time, uh, that design gestalt, if you will, will stick around. And, well, he probably uh, has filled Apple at this point with like-minded people, I would imagine. I, yeah, that's right. Or at least converted those that weren't like-minded over, or fired them. Right? Yeah. But yeah, you're right. Apple's now filled with people that that believe in that vision and and will continue it regardless of whether or not he's around. Uh, and I, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I was I was watching some documentary um, just a couple of days ago, and it was all about design and um, why we like some things and not others. And I didn't watch it thinking, oh, as a Mac user, I'm going to love this. I had no idea that computers were going to even play a part. And they were talking sure. about Braun and what they were doing back in the day and German engineering, and it was really great. And they asked the head lead designer at the time for Braun, he's a lot older now, uh, what do you think of design nowadays? And he was like, oh, it's horrible. There is there is no design. It's all consumerism except one company, and unfortunately, it's an American company. I thought, hey. <laughs> and he said, uh, <laughs> Apple is the only company that's really doing some innovative designs, and I thought – Oh, I didn't see that coming. Uh, wow. But then I thought about it, and I was like, well, he, in, in some respects, I agree with that. When you look at a design philosophy, um, I don't see anything from HP. I don't see anything from any of the other computer makers. But from Apple, absolutely, design how, where a button's located and, and how it feels in your hand or how it looks on your desktop or how the lid on, on the MacBook Pro actually closes and what it feels like when you open it. You don't see those attention to detail on the PC side that you see on the Mac side. 
Not not in an innovative way. You, you certainly see it in a copycat way. And and I'm even okay with that because it does, it, you know, it, it, it raises... Brings, yes, absolutely. It raises the tide, right? And that's fine. But no, you're right. Apple leads the charge there. No, no one else, it, at least not intentionally and regularly, uh, does that. There are some things that people come out with that are like, hey... That's actually pretty cool, you know, but but it's it, it almost seems like an accident uh, most of the time when that happens. So Macworld Expo starts in uh, less than a month. Are you going to be there? Oh, yeah, ab- absolutely I'll be there. You know, for me, and, and I'll set the business stuff aside, first and foremost, I like going to Macworld. I used to go as, uh, as an attendee before I was in this industry. In fact, both John Braun and I used to go together as attendees before we, before we got involved with all of this craziness that, uh, that you and I know <laughs> is our work now. Uh, and, and so I, I will go. I get to see friends. Uh, I get to see uh, cool products. You know, and Apple, for me, and I realize I may be in the minority here, but maybe not. For me, Apple was always a minority part of the show. Uh, I went there and I go there looking to see what everybody else is up to. I know what Apple's up to, or at least I'm going to find out two seconds later, right? But, I've been saying that for know, a long time, that you know, Apple was this, oh, yeah, there's Apple stuff. They take they have the, the biggest space, but I've already seen it. I already know what their product is. I don't need to talk to a PR guy that's standing there to regurgitate everything that Steve Jobs said during the keynote word for word. You know, I right. want to see everything else that's part of the show, all the other companies, all the other people. Yeah, and it's not just the exhibit hall, right? I mean, I, I enjoy the conferences. I speak at the conference, and I'll be speaking this time. But but there's some sessions that I like to go to. And then there's, you know, the parties in the evening. We're, we're doing our Cirque du Mac party again this year. Of course, we'll get you an invite, Tim. Uh, and, uh, and you know, we're having, we're gonna, the Macworld All-Star Band is going to play again. And we've got a slew of sponsors on board for that. It, it's been it's been great. So that's, you know, that and that's where kind of personal and business sort of blends, right? And and then it is good from a business perspective. It's good from the standpoint of, well, I am out here talking about these products. I need to know about them. I need to know what's new. I need to I need to be aware of the cool stuff that's happening. And and then, you know, from the from the other business side, well, you know, we need to talk to these people about being sponsors either of the sites or parties or, you know, the shows or whatever it is. So, so yeah, we'll we'll definitely be there. Uh, it, it's interesting to me this year. It, there's been uh, the people I talked to, and and I noticed this, you know, three or four months ago, but I think it started, uh, you know, long before that. There's this emotional reaction to MacWorld Expo, especially this year, without Apple. Some people have decided, oh, the show's dead. Uh, I want nothing to do with it, and you know, I'm not going to make smart business decisions. I'm just going to be emotional about it. Yeah, but seriously, you know. And and then there's the other side where it's. Oh, Macworld Expo, rah, 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 it's the best. I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to make smart business decisions. I'm going to do everything for it, right? You know, and and I, it's been very interesting to see how few people are actually sitting down and saying, okay, let's let's look at what this is. Does Apple matter? And as I said, for me, it doesn't, but it does because Apple, especially doing the keynote, would always draw, you know, big time media from. Yeah, but they're only there for the day. I mean, you know, I can't tell you how many times that I've, sat down at breakfast uh, the day before, the day of the expo, that when it starts off the keynote, mm-hmm. and I'm sitting next to the, the guys from BBC TV, and they're sure. talking about, oh, we're in town to cover the expo, and, uh, well, no, you're not. You're here to cover whatever Steve Jobs says, and that's then an right. hour later, you're heading back out to SFO to, to take off. So you're yeah, not really covering right. the expo. No, and they weren't, but it would it would bring awareness not just to the expo, but to our industry. The reality is our industry now has that awareness all the time, right? You know, so so in that sense it doesn't it, it does matter that Apple's not there and it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, my 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 concern is that, you know, combine the lack of necessity for mainstream press to be at the show with this negative emotional reaction of the faithful if you will, yeah. you know, the the attendees and and does that spell Okay, well, Macworld Expo has to get a lot smaller, and it has to change, and, and all of this stuff, and and that would be a bad thing, both for me personally, and of course for me uh, in a business sense, because I'd have to replace that ability to connect with people, uh, and I, I really like the show, so I I see it as a valuable thing, and and then there is that emotional part of me that hopes that it continues. What I'm doing here on OWC Radio, a new feature that uh, we've done a few times now, and I'm going to do it with every guest, so it's it's your turn. It's called This or That. 
It's yep. there's no correct answers. There's no incorrect answers. I just give you a choice, and uh, you pick one or the other. So if I said black and white, you would say black because it looks better with leather seats. Whatever. So uh, I'm going to ask you five. Four of them are going to be technology related, and one of them won't be. So uh, fair enough. Let, let's start at the top. Safari or Firefox? Safari. Ooh, Safari. That was a quick answer. Oh yeah. So can we, should we, yeah, we go through it? Elaborate if you like. Absolutely. Elaborate. Nope. Elaborate. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I like Safari. Uh, I Firefox's UI is it just feels clunky to me. Uh, I like how smooth Safari is. I like how integrated with the OS it is. I like that with Mobile Me I can sync my bookmarks amongst all my machines and of course my iPhone. Uh, I I just I for me Safari works. There are a couple of websites. Where, where Firefox works better, I do have Firefox on the machine. I have nothing against it per se, uh, but I find that Safari is overall a better experience for me. It's, you know, I, if everyone I've asked that so far, it's kind of split right down the middle. Um, okay. It, okay. It's never, I can see that. There's never hesitation. I never hear people go, hmm, that's a good one. It's either yeah. Safari or Firefox. It's it's kind of amazing, actually. Yeah. Well, we use them all day long. It's, you know, it's a dis- that that is not a decision that's new to anyone on this show. That's true. You, it's a decision we all make, you know, consciously or unconsciously multiple times a day. So, you know. Next one, software or hardware? Software. Software. That was a quick one, too. Yeah. So the software yeah. means more to you than the hardware. It does. Yeah. Yeah, it does. I, I, I need, you know, I can have cool hardware. And I've had cool hardware in the past that, you know, had a terrible UI or, <laughs> you know. We've all or, had that. Yeah, exactly. Or the software was flaky and it crashed all the time. And, I, you know, the, the hardware is useless without good software. And as we've proven, uh, though we all now like ergonomically designed sexy hardware, uh, we all lived with Mac OS on crummy hardware with great software over the years. That's true. Number three, hmm, which one should I give you? How about Skype or iChat? Skype. Skype. Why? Uh, the reliability of getting a connection. Uh, it, as far as chat, so so I'm sort of split on this one uh, because as far as text chat goes, I, I, spend, better. More, I spend more of my time in iChat. Yeah. But when it comes to doing a podcast or a video chat, I uh, I tend to video chat with my brother almost every day. And for years, we used iChat. And it was one of these things, and it and I appreciate that this has now gotten better in, in recent years, uh, maybe the recent months. But uh, but it was, you know, oh, I got to reboot my router. It won't get a video connection. I got to do this. I got to hold my leg just right. You know, the wind's not blowing the right direction. And Skype, once they came out with video... I've never had it not connect. It's just always it they they've got some magic sauce there at Skype that allows them to traverse firewalls. I've talked video with I won't name names or company names, but <laughs> I've talked video with someone in the boardroom of a Fortune 100 company where they've said that you know the firewall will block all of this. And uh and it and Skype just, you know, no problem. It's magic. Just, yep. 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 I think the audio quality um, but way better. It's way, way better. better. I think that's why all podcasters are using Skype because I want to use iChat. I like the interface a lot better. It just feels more Mac-like, obviously, but Definitely. the audio quality is just horrible. Yep. Yep. Okay. Last one of the uh, technology-related ones. Point and shoot or DSLR? Uh, you know, I'll I'll go with point and shoot. I, I'm tossed. I. I'm torn on this one. A, I'm not a picture guy, right? So it really neither is is an option for me. I I don't tend to take a lot of pictures. Uh, When I do, I I appreciate the point and shoot. My wife uh, uses a DSLR. She loves pictures, which is great because she actually documents all the things that happen here at home. And uh, but so she uses a DSLR most of the time. Uh, But yeah, I'm sort of torn on that. Yeah. Uh, Are you using your phone to take a lot of pictures now? That's the only thing I take pictures yeah, of. Yeah, you know, that's becoming – I'm going to have to change that to say point and shoot or iPhone. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> because that's more right. people yeah. – I mean, unless you – people are not grabbing their DSLR because their kid's doing something cute on the floor right there. 
You know? No, we bring we bring the DSLR to you know my son's hockey games, right? right. Where we want you know long range, quick action, you know high quality shots. That you know you you're not going to get that with a phone, at least not not any phone I've used. So yeah, uh, here's the last one. This is not technology related, although kind of is, and because you use the word geek, so this is a very app for you and for me. And I, honestly, I don't know if I could answer this question myself. Uh, great. Star Wars or Star Trek? Wow. Ooh, silence. I know there's there's huge differences, but yet. So it would have been a lot easier for me to say Star Wars, except the last Star Trek movie was so damn good. Uh, you know, see, when you say Star Trek, I think less of the movies and more of the series. So do I. And I loved uh, Deep Space Nine, for instance. I think that was uh, the best. But... Uh, I like I like next gener next generation and and Deep Space Nine and of course I, as a kid I watched the reruns of uh -huh. uh, the you know the original series with my dad and, and all that so gosh that's a hard qu if I had to pick one or the other though I'd probably have to pick Star Wars yeah have you watched yeah, I, the uh, new Clone Wars TV show and my son watches it so I've I've watched that with him somewhat I think and, it's the uh, most Star or Star Wars that we've had since the original trilogy it feels more uh, like Star Wars than the new ones that have. My, my son and I, he's he's eight now, uh -huh. he just turned eight, and he and I were talking about that the other day, and he's like, you know, and they, they always introduce a new character. He's like, but I don't I don't necessarily like it. He's like, but they have to have something good for the kids to latch on to. He's like, so I get why they've got Jar Jar, and I get why they do this. He's like, it makes sense, but uh, yeah, yeah, no, he, uh, he, he and I, he and I, yeah, he likes that, and I, I enjoy watching it with him. Me too. I my uh, my youngest likes Star Wars, or my youngest daughter, I should say. My my youngest is two. He doesn't care what it is. Uh, okay. But my youngest daughter really likes Star Wars. But my older girls, uh, they're both in their teens and uh, yeah. just getting ready to start driving. So thankfully, you don't live around here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they've they've always hated Star Trek. Just hated it. And I told them I wanted to go see this new Star Trek movie that just came out. And they were like, uh, I don't want to go, but there was nothing else to do at home. So they said, okay, we'll go. And when we left, my oldest daughter, Rachel, said, that was great. That was like Star Wars. And I thought, wow, that's quite a compliment yeah. coming from her. So, so yeah, Well, you know, Star Trek... I can see it appealing to an older older kids, right? Because because it does have those, it tends to have those deeper messages, right? Where Star Wars is just sort of an interesting story, you know, right? But, but Star Star Trek tries to tell you a a moral that's not just good versus evil, good story. Well, they've had know? a lot more hours that they've had to fill too. I mean, that's you know, true. That's true. You, yeah, you can't have a TV show. Run no. like Star Wars because nobody would watch. It would just no, it would be exhausting. It yeah, you'd be like, ugh, that was just too much. Um, yeah, that's true. Good point. Good point. But you know, with Star Trek, I mean, it, it, philosophical, religious. I, I'm yeah. thinking of Deep Space Nine. Some of the stuff that they've had on there, um, you know, it was mind blowing for a sci-fi channel or for sci-fi yeah. show, and yeah. it's just amazing. We don't have TV like that anymore. But then again. You know, I just watched Twenty Four last night. It was fantastic. So uh, it was. It was good. I, I, we started watching Twenty Four this season too, and and I agree with you. It's 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 good, but it's not. I mean, it's just shoot 'em up, right? You know? It is, but it's it's like yeah. a big blockbuster movie on TV it, once a week. I agree with that. That's right. Yes. Yeah, and that's nice to see. Absolutely. So, Dave Hamilton, where will everyone find you online if they do a Google search? Where should they go? Uh, you can go to macgeekgab.com. That'll that'll bring you right to the podcast portion of macobserver.com, which is another place to find me. I'm I'm not hard to find. Or you can you can visit me on Twitter. Uh, I tend to to ramble on there occasionally at uh, twitter.com/slash/davehamilton. You kind of gave up your own blog in favor of Twitter, it seems. Yeah, you know, I well, I I'd given up my own blog many times over the years. I just, <laughs> I you know, I'm not someone who I have a lot of thoughts. I wish I had the desire to spend the time to write them down uh, because I, I enjoy it and people enjoy reading it, at least based on the comments and the reactions, but uh, it's just not part of my day. So uh, the Twitter thing works for getting short little bursts out. And then uh, and then I have the, the podcast. And <laughs> as is probably painfully obvious to some of your listeners here, I love to talk. You like to talk. I like to listen. I like to talk. But one of the things that I really do like to listen to is the Matt Geek Gab. I can't tell you how many times that uh, you and John have kept me company on long drives to Chicago and uh, Detroit. And I want to say for uh, for me personally, thanks for doing the show. I really enjoy it. You know, I, 
I'll be the first to say when I don't know something, and I've been doing this Mac gig for a long, long time. But, sure. you know, when I listen to the Mac Geek Gab, uh, I almost always learn something new. And that's a big compliment coming from me because that's not usually the truth. And with you guys, I'm almost always learning something new, and it's great. Well, that that's humbling. I, I appreciate you saying that, Tim. And that that is our goal with the show is to give people, you know, at least one aha moment, you know, every week. And and and, and more is fine, right? And sometimes those aha moments are not planned, right? You know, we'll, <laughs> it, as you you as a listener can attest. Yeah. You know, sometimes it'll just be us answering a question, and as an aside, I'll say, "Oh yeah," and I do this to to get to that, and you know, I'll get. 20 emails saying, oh, dude, that's so cool. I had no idea you could do that. It's like, oh, yeah, I never never really thought about that as being something cool because I do it all the time. But well, the sure, Matt Geek Gab is the only show that makes me think, oh, I really need to keep a, a pencil and a piece of paper handy in the car when I'm driving because I'm going to – oh, I really need to jot that down because that's such a great idea. I need to check that out. Or um, So that's I great. really appreciate it. It's a great job. I, uh, congratulations on almost five years, you said, right? Yeah, yeah, it'll be five years in uh, in June, I believe. Well, maybe, congratulations. Maybe yeah, so cool. Thank you. Thanks for having me on the show. So there he is, the one, the only Dave Hamilton. Thanks a lot for doing the show, Dave. I really appreciate it, and it's always fun to talk to you. Can't wait to see you at MacWorld Expo. Here's some news for you guys before we wrap up the show. I think the biggest news of the week, maybe not. Bootcamp supports Windows 7. Hmm, it's about time. Well, here's the thing. I've been using Windows 7 on my MacBook Pro with Bootcamp since, I don't know, Windows 7 came out. Seems to work. Maybe there's some features in there that I wasn't aware of that wasn't as fully compliant or compa- compatible uh, with uh, with my MacBook. That, But, you know, here's the thing. I, I didn't... I didn't notice anything that wasn't working. Probably the trackpad, all the gestures and stuff like that wasn't working, but I don't use those anyways. Now, seriously, I don't use the uh, the gestures on my MacBook Pro. Do you? I think they're they're kind of irritating. Um, I couldn't figure out why my my web pages kept blowing up. Really, you know, when I say blowing up, I mean the text would get huge for no reason. It turns out I was actually uh, open pinching. Um, by mistake, I was leaving my thumb on the trackpad, and I would move my other finger, and it would register that I want to make the text bigger. And it took me a while to figure out what the problem was, but once I did, I was like, "Ugh, I'm going to turn off that feature." <laughs> Is there features on your Mac that you turn off that just seems kind of annoying to you? That's mine. Grand Theft Auto: Chinatown Wars from Rockstar Games finally comes to the App Store for nine dollars ninety nine cent U.S. Uh, yep, that's what I spent my money on this weekend. I know. I know. I was just talking about, you know, wow, I spent $210 on iPhone apps, and here I go again, spending another 10 bucks. Here's the sad thing, though. I already have this game. I bought it for the DS months ago. Um, but I didn't really play it because, quite honestly, the screen on my DS is so dim, and this isn't a flaw in, the D- in my personal DS. It's just... I think the screen on the Nintendo DS is just really dim. It's it's not a very good system as far as I'm concerned. Um, but I spent like thirty bucks for the game, uh, maybe forty. It's it was quite expensive, especially for a portable game. And I played about maybe an hour into it, and I was just like, I can't play this. I can't see what's going on well enough. I'm getting frustrated. So for ten dollars, I got pretty much exactly the same game for the iPod uh, Touch or the iPhone. And it's the iPhone in my case. And so far, pretty fun. Pretty fun. Now, it is a mature-rated game. So if you are under 17, get your parents' permission. And even then, you probably shouldn't be playing this game. From Apple Insider, AT&T's coverage woes could cost billions to remedy. According to industry analysts, AT&T would need to spend at least $5 billion dollars that was with a B, to equal Verizon's current level of coverage. Hmm. Now, of course, they're talking about 3G coverage because I get coverage everywhere on my iPhone, just not 3G. In fact, where I live, there is no 3G coverage. And the funny thing is, I don't have the opportunity not to pay 
uh, for an iPhone with non-3G coverage. In other words, I pay for 3, 3G network speeds even though they don't offer it where I live. Now, when I go to the home office in Woodstock, Illinois, there is 3G coverage, and it's kind of nice to browse my iPhone there when I'm not in a Wi-Fi hotspot, and I'm like, wow, look how fast this is, uh, because Edge is just really slow. But for those months that I don't have any 3G coverage, which is almost all the time because they don't offer it here in West Michigan, don't you think they ought to give me some kind of a discount? That would be nice. With my original iPhone, which wasn't a iPhone 3G, it was the first generation iPhone, which my wife uses now, they charge $10 less in data because it doesn't do 3G. Well, if you don't offer the 3G where I live, should I get some kind of a discount? I'm just saying. At gizmodo.com, they have the story behind Apple's Newton. Now, with all the ruckus going on about the possible Apple tablet coming out next week, or at least being announced next week, I don't, I don't think it's coming out next week. I hope not. I don't have the money for one right now. Um, it is kind of interesting to go back and read the story about uh, Apple's Newton, which is a tablet computer. And Gizmodo did a really fantastic job with the story. So uh, Google story behind Apple's Newton Gizmodo, and you'll find it. From Macworld.com, Blu-ray ripping on the Mac. Now, this is a good article, and it's about getting your Blu-ray movie files off your disc and put them onto your Mac so you have the nice high-def 1080p movies on your Macintosh. Because we all know uh, Macintosh natively cannot play Blu-ray movies. But there's one problem with their article. They mentioned the Buffalo Blu-ray burner which costs 350 bucks. I'm sure it's a good piece of hardware. But did you know at OWC, they have the LG Super Multi Blue Mac Pro Edition for 195 bucks right now. That's right, 195 bucks. You can write to Blu-ray. You can read the Blu-ray discs. Now, not the movies. We're talking about data here, folks. You can also do CD and DVD burning and... Lightscribe. It's a great drive. Three hundred fifty bucks is the price that uh, MacWorld.com wants you to spend for the Buffalo. You know what? <laughs> no, no. Let Let's save some of that money. Get the one from Otherworld Computing for one hundred ninety five bucks, and save the extra money for Blu Ray discs. So MacSales.com is where you want to go to get your Blu Ray on. That's what I'm saying. Last thing before we wrap up the show, Cocktail 4.7 has been released. Finally, finally bringing Snow Leopard support to Cocktail. What? What's Cocktail, you ask? <laughs> Glad you asked. I'm just going to read you some of the features that you can do with Cocktail. And this is something that every Mac user should have, especially if you're more of an advanced user. So here's what you could do with Cocktail 4.7. Customize the look and feel of the Finder, Dock, Safari, Expose, I'm sorry, Expose, <laughs> Login Window, and other system services. You can modify hidden settings in the address book, backup, disk utility, iCal, iTunes, Mail, QuickTime, remote desktop, screen sharing, and terminal. You can clean, repair, and optimize your system with just one click. You can clear out any Trojan horses and worms. Now, most of those aren't going to affect a Mac, but if you share files and you accidentally send one to your PC using friend or relative, they're not going to be happy with you. Besides, we, we're Mac users. We don't mind running something like Cocktail to get rid of those nasty worms and viruses that unsuspecting PC users accidentally sent us via email, right? This is a big one for me. Clear Adobe Flash Player caches and cookies. Ugh, Flash is just a dog. It really is. It, it clogs up your system. Um, and it, this is a nice utility to get rid of some of those caches. It clears log files, deletes locked and inaccessible items, lock and unlock files and folders, enabled or disabled sudden motion sensor. That's in, of course, the MacBook and MacBook Pro. Allow or prevent mounting of external disks during system startup. That can be uh, a, a godsend when you're having system startup problems. Force empty the trash. 
enable kiosk mode, erase, erase spotlight index on selected disks, and run periodic maintenance scripts. That's a lot. And trust me, Cocktail is a fantastic, fantastic product. Uh, I don't even remember how much it cost. How much does it? I'm going up to the website right, right now. I bought it so long ago, I honestly don't remember. Wow, really? Single user license, $14.95. That is just dirt cheap. Uh, a family license covers up to five computers, $29.95. That's uh, it's really good. And, you know, here's the – if you want to get a site license, only 399 bucks. But for the majority of you guys listening, 15 bucks cocktail is just something that every Mac user, serious Mac user, uh, should have in your arsenal of applications. So before I wrap up the show, uh, I will encourage you to go up to MacSales.com, especially if you're really interested in Blu-ray. Uh, you got to get that stuff backed up, and if you don't want to back up to an external hard drive, or if you have a lot of files you need to send to a client, or uh, a big movie file that you want to send to a friend, Blu-ray is going to be the way to go. Um, whoever thought that DVDs would seem small? I thought, wow, DVD storage is the way to go. But that was, what, eight years ago? Now, I need a lot more space. Blu-ray is a good solution. And quite honestly, 195 bucks for the LG Super Multi Blue Mac Pro Edition, fantastic deal. So if you're interested in Blu-ray, check it out, www.maxsales.com. We'll be back in a couple more days talking about the Mac tablet next week, of course. We're going to have Chris Breen coming up, and he's going to be at the big announcement at Apple, and I'm sure he's going to tell us all about it. We've got Harry McCracken. Now, Harry McCracken was supposed to be here next week, but we've rescheduled that because what's happening next week? Well, Harry's going to be a little busy in Cupertino, and uh, I completely understand. So we're going to reschedule that for the following week. And then after that, folks, it's going to be, yep, Macworld Expo, 11th through the 13th. OWC will be there, booth 1354. I'm really looking forward to it, and I hope that a lot of you listening will come out to San Francisco, stop by the booth, say hi to the guys, wait to see this multimedia Mac thing that they have going there, check out the storage solutions that we have, second to none in the business, honestly. And, uh, hey, if you're looking to upgrade your Mac, head on over to www.maxsales.com. Chances are you need more RAM in that machine, don't you? You need some more memory. Great prices on memory. We'll get it shipped out to you ASAP. Your machine will feel like a brand new machine, trust me. So for OWC Radio, I'm Tim Robertson, and we're out of here.